Say so everyone, welcome to Resistance Radio. I am John Gain. I am the host. Um, look, I've got I got tough stuff to talk about today, and I'm not going to pull any punches. Um, I'm going to talk about last Saturday. Now, last Saturday for for a lot of people meant different things, and I'm going to talk about uh, not only what did occur, but I'm going to actually talk about something that didn't occur on Saturday. But uh, first off. A young man, 18-year-old, boy, man-child, whatever you want to call him, traveled 200 miles, got it right past where I live here on the Cattaraugus Territory of Seneca Nation. We only live about 30 miles from Buffalo. And drove you know, right past us to go to a black neighborhood in Buffalo, went into a, super, uh, uh, to a supermarket uh, on a Saturday when people are shopping, a pretty crowded place, and just started opening fire, trying to kill black people. White guy, white supremacist, you know, Trump, Trump supporter, MAGA guy, you know, bound up with all this replacement theory stuff that Fox News and Tucker Carlson and all these people talk about all the time, and uh, went in to kill people, and did kill people, killed ten people, injured uh, injured three, and and. Several of those could have easily have died. And, and obviously, more people could have died. <clears throat> he was taken into custody. He wasn't beaten. The cops didn't shoot him. They didn't step on his neck. They didn't, you know, pummel his face. Or, I mean, he, I, apparently a security guard, a, a former police officer, did fire a couple of shots at him, and he was killed. He was one of the guys who died. But the police, um, <clears throat> police handled him pretty gently, as far as I can see. Um, which is, you know, markedly different from what we see uh, transpires with, you know, somebody like Sandra Bland who simply wouldn't put her cigarette out for the cops. Or, uh, you know, George Floyd obviously comes to mind. Uh, you know, Breonna Taylor. I mean, we, the list goes on. Uh, Eric Gardner. So that's what I want to talk about this week. Because not all racists carry guns. Some do. Some have uniforms and guns and are racist. But I, I think it's really important that we, that we don't let this just turn into one party condemning another party. Because I got plenty of criticism for both. Of course, this show airs on WBAI, normally on WBAI and WPFW. WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm off this weekend at, at WBI because they're trying to fundraise specifically to to pay their tower rent and their transmission uh, rent. Um, so they're doing special events for that. But regardless, I mean, this is a WBAI show, and you know, I I hope pe- people who might be listening, you know, let's say on Facebook Live or on podcast, um, or you know, uh, when they stream this thing, however they however they catch the show, that if you're a supporter of WBI, look, even if you're listening on WPFW. And while I hope that you support WPFW, for those of you who know the situation, you know, I, I hope you support WBAI. You can go to that pledge line, and that's 212-209-2950, or go to give2wbai.org and, um, and make, it, um, make a donation uh, to support the operation, and specifically right now, to support their, uh, their, you know, their rent raiser, as I call it. Um, hey, you can mention, even though I'm not on the air, you can mention if you call into WBAI, 
um, or go online that uh, you know that you're you're supporting the show in the process. If you're listening in Washington D.C., I hope you go to that pledge line, and by all means, you know I'm I'm not preempted there. So um, uh, go to two zero two five eight eight nine seven three nine or go online to wpfwfm.org. Uh, and if you're listening on any other affiliate, you know, please do support wherever you're hearing this program, whether it's on my podcast. And I may put this show both up as my Resistance Radio podcast and as my Let's Talk Native podcast, because you know some of what I have to say here, um, yeah, the, the, my two podcasts are different. One is obviously a radio show. And one is um, is a specific podcast, which and, and it's let's talk native, and I always put dot 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 because it's native anything, and you know, and so while the audience may be a little bit more skewed towards a native listening audience than my radio show, which obviously airs in Washington and New York City and other places, um, I think it's uh, this message is you know, is the same message for, for both listening groups. And, and I don't, yeah, look, I, I certainly encourage people to native people to listen to my uh, resistance radio show and, and white or non-native folks to listen to my resist, my, my let's talk native show. So, uh, and you can find either one of those podcasts by just going to your favorite podcast platform. You can search resistance radio with John and Regan or let's talk native with John Kane. And you'll find those, that podcast. Um, but anyway, let me get, get back to what I'm talking about here. So this kid drives 200 miles. He drives from a small town south of Binghamton, New York, right almost on the Pennsylvania border, um, a little town called Conklin. And it's a, it's a predominantly white school, you know, rural white school, typical of so many schools, you know, across the country. But but New York, I mean, look, even though New York is considered a, you know, a blue state, once you get out of the urban areas, and frankly, even within some of the urban areas, like Buffalo, for instance, is, look, it's it's barely blue. I mean, in, in many regards. I mean, there there are Republicans that hold offices all around the area, including, you know, national office like the Congress, you know, several congressmen. Um, but certainly, you know, there are plenty of Republicans that have space in the New York state and, uh, you know, and representing New York state nationally. Um, and part of it is because, the state is, while it might be solidly blue when voting for a president necessarily, or even a, even a U.S. senator, those other offices are up for grab, grabs, the uh, you know, state legislatures and all that stuff, uh, local, all that stuff. Um, and it's be, and once you get outside, like once you get outside those city areas, you're going to find them. Look, there's, there's Confederate flags. There's a whole lot of F. Joe Biden flags and Trump won flags and, you know, uh, let's go Brandon signs and, and all of that stuff in New York state. So if, you know, if you're downstate and you're not familiar with what's upstate, then you should get familiar with it because it's all part of the body, body politic here. And so there's that, but there's also a fair level of racism that, that occupies the left side of that political spectrum. And, and, and I'm going to talk about that. One of, my, one of the tweets that I put up um, immediately following, you know, what took place in, um, uh, in Buffalo on, on Saturday at around 2.30, I guess it was, um, was, um, and I'm going to pull it right up here so I don't, don't misquote myself. I said, well, Kathy Hochul, you finally have a more racist act in the state than your extortion of half a billion dollars out of the Seneca people. 
White supremacy doesn't just live in an 18-year-old with a gun. Sometimes it's a white lady with a pen. So I want to talk about this, you know, and because that white lady's a Democrat. She's a non-elected governor of the state of New York, and she squeezed half a billion dollars. And why did she do it? Because the system allows it to it. And this is what we talk about with, with is systemic racism. You know, she, she took half a billion dollars after the state's already gotten a billion and a half out of the Senecas from, from previous governors, including Republican and, and Democratic governors. So, I, you know, I, I've, I posted a meme years ago. I said, racism isn't just a right thing. It's a white thing. And then I get people get all pissed off. Well, you can't just say all people are, are racist. I didn't say all people are racist. But I'll say all racists are white people. All racists are white people. And, 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 and that, too, gets everybody pissed off. Well, that's a racist thing to say. No, it isn't. Racism is about power. And sometimes that power comes from a gun of an individual. Sometimes it comes from a pen from a, from a sitting governor or, or an elected official or appointed official. And the crazy part is, while I'll, I'll, I will say that all racists are white people, there are non-white people who support white supremacy. You know, and it's hard, you know, well, how, you can, how can you call a black person a, a racist if they're really, you know, they're not uh, promoting their race as the superior race? Because they're still supporting a race as the superior race. I mean, this event took place in Buffalo. This, this horrific tragedy took place in Buffalo. And, of course, the president comes flying into town for his photo ops and his speeches with, with the, the governor of the, of the state, Kathy Hochul, who I said, you know, has, has her, her own racist legacy associated with her. And with, with Byron Brown, who's black, but who defied the whole, you know, Democratic Party process because a black woman beat him in the primary last time and, and the white people weren't going to have it. So they wrote white people voted Byron Brown in by, by write-in because he wasn't even on the ballot. I mean, talk about skewing the system. Look, normally you would expect in most political systems, if you run in a primary and you get defeated, then you're supposed to endorse your fellow Democrat, in this case, who, who defeated you. Hell, that didn't happen. That didn't even happen with the governor. didn't happen with anybody. Why? Because white folks like Byron Brown. Republicans voted for Byron Brown. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a strange thing when you think about non-white um, folks endorsing you know, white supremacy. And look, we see it. Fox News manages to uncover a couple of these people. And, uh, you, know, we, you know, you had a black woman running uh, you know, for, for one of the Senate seats in, in Pennsylvania that you know, gained a certain level of popularity because of her right or, or because of her right wing bona fides and supporting, you know, Donald Trump and, you know, being, you know, supporting the, the ban on abortion and all that other stuff. I mean, it's it's complicated. But my point is, is that racism, racism presents itself in a bunch of different ways, not just with some lunatic with a gun, with a QAnon fetish or something like that. There are those. 
But when you're talking about a sitting governor who has the power to to freeze the assets of a, of a nation of only 7,000 people, a people who've been so marginalized historically in everything from slaughters and, you know, you know, <laughs> the president of the United States, first one, George Washington. He said, let the Senecas know the, chair, the terror of their chastisement and don't accept any pleas for peace. They need to know. And he was promoting intergenerational trauma that he was trying to inflict on the Senecas because the Senecas dare side with the British because they, you know, basically had treaties with the British when the, uh, during the, when the colonists were uh, declaring their independence. And, and, and to keep in mind, Thomas Jefferson referred to native people as merciless Indian savages. We weren't exactly an endeared people by the colonists folks. In fact, one of the reasons the United States declared war or, or their war of independence against Great Britain was because they wanted to, they wanted to take more native lands. And the and the King of England, King George, King George says, "Look, you got to hold up there." There was no question that King George had every intention of taking as much land as possible from native people, but he was also trying to to be somewhat fair about how he did it. He hoped he could include them. Well, we weren't included in the U.S. Constitution. In their founding document, the, the Declaration of Independence, we referred to as merciless Indian savages. So when I hear all of this stuff about what the, all the, the, the great founding fathers, the slaveholding founding fathers, who, who were responsible for genocide and slavery and would continue such, for, for another hundred years. Look, the foundation of the United States was built on a legacy of slavery. You know, it came from Europe, but they actually took racism and white supremacy to levels that, that, that other countries hadn't. I mean, yeah, Britain, sure, England sure did in, in what they were doing, but and other, countries, other European nations did in various places in Africa, in, in Asia. But there is no question that the racist foundation of this country, which is intentionally being hidden or being played politics with. I mean, yeah, it's great to have Joe Biden come in and, you know, and, and condemn some of the rhetoric that comes from, uh, comes from the right about replacement theory. But if you're standing next to Kathy Hochul when you're saying it, who is clearly a white supremacist when it comes to Native people, yeah, I know, she, you know, she, she makes sure that she, she tokenizes uh, you know, some of the positions that she gets to a point and put the black person in there. Not always the best one at that, but, but regardless. And I know Joe Biden. Yeah, he pointed Deb, Deb Haaland as a, as the Interior Secretary. Another tokenized move. Who isn't going to do our bidding? He's going to do. She's going to do his. Vice President that he chose, kind of a black woman. You know, her her father was from you know Jamaica or the Caribbean, and mother is the, was of Indian, India, uh, Indian descent. Not exactly your, your typical homegrown experience of, uh, of multi-generations of, of you know, slavery and Jim Crow and, and all of that stuff. No, not, not, not this woman. 
But you see, you go through the motions. Well, here's what I got. Here's the question I have for you, black folks, as you're as you're cheering on this Democratic president coming into your neighborhood to mourn the losses of your loved ones. Where where's Joe Biden's um, um, call for police reform? Remember that? Remember when he was running for office? He said his first order of business was going to be police reform in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Yeah, that didn't happen. And his vice president is a cop. She was never an advocate for police reform. Then don't tell me that somehow Kamala Harris, uh, you know, talked uh, Joe Biden down. Nah, he was never sincere. They're never sincere. Racism isn't just a white supremacist with a gun. They are on the police forces, they're prison guards, they're elected officials. They're, they're appointed into, into positions of power. And we see it all the time. I mean, th- look, this, is, this shouldn't come as a surprise. And the fact that, that, that Buffalo became, you know, you know, got put on the map because of a mass shooting. Look, as soon as I heard this thing, I said, it's a white guy, isn't it? And, you know, the people asked, they said, well, why would you assume that? I said, because it's always white people. All mass shooters, serial killers, are white folks, with the exception of the D.C. Uh, assassin, the D.C. Mass, mass shooter. They've all been white guys. Now, I mean, everybody wants to talk about black-on-black crime and, you know, the crime rates and, you know, the, the prison population. No, be clear. Every mass shooter with the exception of the D.C. shooter, D.C. sniper, every mass, uh, mass shooter is a, uh, is, a, is a white guy, whether it's Vegas or, you know, or, uh, you know, there were, and there were more than one this weekend, too, by, by the way. I mean, there was a, a guy who walks into a church to kill, to, to kill people of color. You have the, 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 you know, the, the guy who killed folks at a church in Texas. I mean, look, this is... This is a part of um, the white fragility. I mean, look, somebody who's got a gun is not necessarily somebody who has power. He's dangerous. But it's usually somebody who's very, very flawed. And, And if you're somebody who has to commit a racist act like Kathy Hochul did against the Senecas, it's because you are flawed. Your argument is flawed. So, you know, something else was, was, was supposed to happen last Saturday. And look, for those of you know, who have been following this program, you know that I, I deal with a lot of the, the, the Native mascot, you know, the schools using Native people for their mascots. And, I, and I've been fighting my old, my old high school in Cambridge, New York. And, you know, we're actually, we're, we're expecting a ruling any day from, from a court because the... Uh, the, the Cambridge Central School Board of Education took the uh, commissioner of, of education for the state of New York to court because she basically told him, you got to get rid of the mascot. And she did it based on um, a petition that was uh, filed in, with the Department of Education because the Board of Education just arbitrarily, they had already passed a resolution to retire the mascot. And then at their next meeting, rescinded it. 
And they had all these reasons why they had, uh, you know, were, were getting rid of the mascot. And, and I brought that action. I, I, I started the process in Cambridge say, and formally asked them to, to re- remove the mascot. And it turned into a, something that dragged on for, for almost two years now. So, you know, I, I raised the issue. I had to fight other Native people that I knew growing up, you know, who, were, who loved being tokenized as, as the Cambridge Indian. But so we're expecting this, this court ruling any day. But in, so knowing this is coming, you know, it might be this week, next week. It's supposed to happen in May, so this month. A local diner who, was, who had already put signs up in their window being pro-mascot, right, decided they were going to hold an event. And, it was, and they do these dinners every, you know, I don't know, every couple of weeks or every month or something like that. And, um, and they theme them. You know, sometimes they do like a 70s theme. And they said the next one they're going to do is going to be Woodstock theme or whatever. But they decided they were going to do one, Cowboys and Indians. <laughs> and they said, come dressed in your chaps and your headdresses. So in the wake or, or in the midst of waiting for a court ruling that's going to get rid of this town's native mascot, these and, and this diner was called the uh, you know Country Cal Country Gals Cafe, and so they 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 told their patronage, "You come dressed as Indians, put on your red face and your your, your headdresses, and you come in and 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 they even you know, named some of their menu items specifically for this event, and 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 this is almost too much. They had one called the uh, the Pocahontas Pilgrim Sandwich. Now. There's no connection between Pocahontas and Pilgrims, except for in this, you know, in, in again, the lack of, of knowledge and the ignorance that, that you know, that is in, in this, these, these towns is incredible. But so they were going to feature the Pocahontas Pilgrim sandwich. I don't even know what the hell the sandwich was. Then a Sacagawea sandwich, which was going to be a fish sandwich with cheese or something like that. Oh, and they had a custard vegetarian lasagna. Now, again, somehow the idea of, of the, their vegetarian dish, which, you know, always people think about, you know, oh, yeah, that's, you know, peace and pacifism and all that other stuff and vegetarianism, which isn't true, but there's a, this is, you know, aura or the sense that that's what, but, and you're going to assign that to, with, with Custer's name on it? Why, was, why would the Custer entree be a vegetarian entree? You know, and, and, and then we're going to have also uh, Crazy Horse Chili. So this is what they're going to feature on their menu. So the, uh, just the idea of the, the overt mockery of encouraging people to dress up as Native people and then offer these just ignorant names of, of menu items. You know, I, I weighed in on this when I heard um, the Times Union, which is in the Albany newspaper, did a story on it. And, and they talked about the fact that, you know, this is coming on the eve of what is probably going to be a court ruling on the mascot issue. And, you know, so the Times Union did an article, and, and it bashed this, this diner pretty good. So then the diner um, canceled their event. And they did this long, you know, and it sounded thoughtful. They said, well, you know, you know, after deep consideration and I was like, we decided we don't want to do this because we realized that some people might take this, you know, the wrong way kind of thing, you know? So it's like, it's one of those, I'm sorry if I offended you, not sorry that I offended you, but I'm sorry if what I said that you find it offensive. It was one of those kind of, you know, um, framed 
you know, almost apologies. But and but I thank them. I thank you know, thank uh, you know, I thank you for acknowledging um, this you know this mistake essentially, and um, so they canceled the event. But I'll tell you, in the midst of it all, and and part of the reason I'm telling you the story is because you know this is obviously about white folks again with their well, some people think it's benign racism, you know, like mascots are, or, or, or this idea of, you know, telling white people that they can dress up as Native people. But, and I wasn't heavily involved in the campaign against this event. You know, I weighed in. But somebody, one of the other businesses in this little town of Cambridge, New York, a tattoo artist, he, he posted on, on Facebook, he said, can I just scalp Kane? I'm I am Kane, right? No, no, no kung fu uh, reference there. And um, in fact, somebody says, you know, that's pretty inappropriate. And he goes, yeah, I know it's inappropriate, but that's what they're doing to our, our you know, and they meaning me. That's what they're doing to our culture and our heritage in Cambridge. That was his response. So he felt like he could make an idle threat or or maybe ask this this body of uh, of people whether he could scalp me. Now, I shouldn't have to explain that to scalp somebody means you kill them. And the whole reason for scalping is to you kill somebody, and if there's a bounty on that person, you can take the top of their head, their scalp, uh, maybe even with some bone and flesh, who knows, and you can turn it in for, for your to collect your bounty. That's what scalping is. And, and it's funny because several people, and, and I did it too. I mean, several of us reported the, the, the comment to Facebook. <laughs> and I did it only because I wanted to see what would happen. And Facebook came back and said, well, we, we have these, this technology that, that evaluates these, these reports. And, and our technology determined that, uh, that the comment by you know, Tom Tattooer or whatever his name was, um, did not violate their community standards. You know, and I asked early on, as, as people were weighing in on this, I says, is the idea of scalping a Native person never going to be interpreted as egregiously as, say, threatening to lynch a Black person? You know, and, and, and I bring this up because there, there's a unique racism that Native people experience. And part of it has to do with the separation of, of time and, and history and you know, and how things become, you know, portrayed by Hollywood. But, you know, Bubba Wallace, who was one of the only black drivers in NASCAR, a few years ago found a, a noose hanging in the garage area that he, where his car was to be worked on. And it was a story, you know, that ran for several weeks, investigating why the noose was there and that kind of stuff and whether it was, you know, uh, a hate crime to, you know, to did somebody intentionally put that there to, you know, to send a message to Bubba Wallace being a black guy in a very, 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 very white redneck sport. Um, and, of course, it, you know, they said, no, they, it was there before, before Bubba Wallace used the stall. And so, no, it's not, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't intended for him. But it was a story. Why? Because lynching black people is a, is a bad thing. I mean, and, and it is part of the American legacy. Well, so is scalping Native people. But the thing is, when a white person threatens to scalp a Native person, it doesn't e evoke 
the same response as if a white person, you know, it threatens to lynch a black person. Just like white folks can, can wear red face and headdresses, you know, to a sporting event, but nobody wears blackface anymore. I mean, rarely. And if there are people who have pictures that, that pop up, like politicians like Justin Trudeau or, or whoever else, they, they quickly do whatever they can to do the damage control. Oh, no, no, that, that, that was inappropriate and it was foolish of me to do that kind of thing and that kind of stuff. But people every day think it's still fine to, to mock Native people. Teachers in Cambridge were wearing headdresses in, into class. And this, you know, so this is what I'm talking about. Racism isn't just a guy with a gun. Racism is about erasure. It's about taking from people because you have the power to do it. So, yeah, so Facebook says, no, um, we didn't interpret his comment as something that violates the community standards. Well, there you have it. Apparently, it's okay for white people to ask other white people if they, could, if they can scalp somebody, a, a Native person. Now, he wasn't just asking, if, can I scalp somebody? He says, can I scalp John Kane? Why? Because I'm the one who's, who's raised all the trouble over, over their mascot. And these are the people who claim that, oh, no, our mascot is meant to honor Native people. And in fact, that's what this, this country gals cafe in their, in their statement saying, you know, we certainly don't want to do anything that would disrespect Native people. We honor and respect. The, and <laughs> what did they say? They said, we honor the sacrifice they made for us. I didn't make a sacrifice for you. Native people didn't volunteer to be the victims of genocide to sacrifice for the United States. Don't you talk about our sacrifice? We were sacrificed. We didn't make a sacrifice. It's like tell you know saying black oh you know you know we are so grateful for the the sacrifice black people made for being slaves for <laughs> For, for over 100, 100 years under American rule and several hundred before that. Well, black people didn't volunteer to be slaves. This wasn't a jobs program. Again, the level of ignorance that gets perpetuated in a conversation about race and racism is, is pretty incredible. And when you bring up, so if I say that what Kathy Hochul did to the Senecas was racist, like, oh, there you go, bring up the race card. It is a white person representing a predominantly white government and a white country that has committed genocide for hundreds of years against Native people who extorted half a billion dollars out of a specific group of people. This wasn't a company. This wasn't somebody who did a, a violation, you know, who, who owed a fine to the, to the state of New York. This was an extortion of money that was built on a racist law called the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. One, and, and, and these racist laws are upheld and defended by both parties. The Biden administration, yeah, Put Deb Hallen is the head of the interior. She didn't do anything to fix this. In fact, she told the Senecas, or the Interior Department told the Senecas, look, we're not going to do anything about that. 
We, we're not going to address the past, and we're not going to address the current situation. But we're thinking about a, you know, maybe change, doing a few rule changes on how the Interior Department um, handles the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. And let's be clear. The Interior Department's job, and you know, among other things, is supposed to be to handle the trust responsibility that the United States has towards Native people. If that's not the biggest crock of crap that you've ever heard of, then, then, then I don't know what is. They don't handle a trust responsibility. And of course, when we say trust, and I've said this before on the program, we aren't talking about trust as a virtue, as in, I trust you because you've earned my trust. No, they're talking about trust as trusteeship. Like somehow we are their, you know, they are our custodians. We are their domestic dependent, you know, children or something like that. I mean, this is, again, a, this is overt racism. This is about power, superiority, and inferiority. That's what racism is, folks. It isn't, the idea that a person, that a people by virtue of race are, are less than other people is not true. But the fact that you can make a system that is based on the belief in that is true. Native people aren't genetically inferior to, to white people. Black people aren't genetically inferior to, to white people. But we are treated, and the system is built to make sure that we have less of an opportunity to succeed in life or live, to, to succeed at life. This white boy who, who shot 13 people in a black neighborhood was walked to the cruiser. George Floyd wasn't walked to a cruiser. Eric Garner wasn't walked to a cruiser. And we see it time and time again. We, we've heard stories of some of these mass shooters who were given a, you know, oh, let me give you a drink. Let me, let me oh, Kyle Rittenhouse, let, let me give you some water to wash down your murder. And let me, let me um, get you a cheeseburger on, you, on the way to the station after you've killed a bunch of people. Look, I am not suggesting that the police should have killed this kid. What I'm suggesting is that there, there's a disparity in the way a white, and I'm not talking about a suspect here. Look, I know in the news they say, you know, this guy allegedly did. He didn't allegedly do anything. It's on film. Everybody knows this guy shot these people. There's no alleged here. It's a fact. Now, he's going to, he's already pled not guilty. Don't know what that's based on. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He wrote about it. He parroted all of the Tucker, Tucker Carlson rhetoric from Fox News, uh, you know, in his, you know, uh, uh, online. There's no question what this kid did. And look, this kid's bigger than I am. You, you know, is, is he a man? Look, I'm 62 years old. So anybody who's, who's, who's less than 30 is a kid as far as I'm concerned. Now, we can get into a debate about how much a, an 18-year-old, because he was only 18 years old, should be held accountable for his actions. Should he be tried as an adult? Well, of course he's going to be tried as an adult. Now, we can debate on what is wrong with this 18-year-old. Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with it. 
you've got a, a national movement in place right now that says no critical race theory being taught in schools. And they don't even know what the hell critical race theory is. They're saying, no, we don't want anything taught in school that's going to make white people feel uncomfortable about their, uh, the, the racist history of the United States. Yeah, you can, t- you can talk about slavery, but you've got to frame it as something that was only done in the past. You, you can talk about the civil rights movement, but you've got to put a happy ending on it. Oh, yeah, we fixed it. We, we changed the laws. So you can't do anything to, I mean, what critical race theory is, is it's supposed to be an analysis of the intersection of racism and laws, policies, and practices of, uh, you know, of the United States. That's the way it's, it was developed. And it's for law school. It's so lawyers can understand the place that racism played in existing law. Now, and it's not just law, because, it'll, look, one of the things about critical race theory is you can look at the, the causation, right? You can look at the effects of laws. Even if the law doesn't say, okay, this law is written specifically to be biased against black people, but you see how, how you know, the, the GI Bill didn't allow black people to, get, to benefit from it the same way that, that, that white people did, including home loans and that kind of thing. GI Bill put more white people, I mean, they talk about Long Island being developed almost solely out of, uh, out of loans you know, given out from the GI Bill. Well, black people weren't given given these loans to, to populate Long Island. No, they st- were still stuck in the urban environment. But it's not written in the law. It's the way the law was practiced. Redlining isn't actually written into the law. It's a practice. But the crazy thing about Native people, when we talk about critical race theory, we're actually written in the law. They passed the law that says, no, we're going to, um, uh, we're going to fund uh, programs that will um, strip Native people of their identity. And we're going to force assimilate them through residential schools, 150 years of residential schools. We're going, to, we're going to pass a law that says, no Native people, you cannot do gaming, even though the Supreme Court said you, says you have the right to do it. We're going to say you can't do gaming unless you go to bed with the state and you enter into a gaming compact with the state. So you've got to give some control and you've got to make your concessions to sweeten the pot so the state will negotiate your compact with you. These are racist laws. I mean, they are, they are laws written specifically to take something away from Native people. I mean, not even black people have, have the laws written specifically to take something away from them. They're just, the, the, you know, you have law, then you have regulation, and then you have, you know, um, discretion, I guess you would say. Policy. So there's law, regulation, and policy. The laws are, most of the time, are not written with racist language. It's the regulation and, the, and it's the policy associated with the fulfillment of that law that is racist. Not for Native people. They put the racism right, in, right, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. It's written into the law. They aren't with guns. They aren't the racists with guns. They are the racists with pens with staff that can write these things up. And they know what they're doing. These things aren't racist by accident. You don't strip away the ability for a school 
to teach about gender issues, about racism, about political crime. You don't, you don't take away all of the negative things that a, that a child should be taught about their country's history and heritage and not leave them damaged by that, that, that lie of omission. I mean, most of the people my age were never taught about the fact that there were gender nonconformists. We always knew those priests were, uh, you know, may have been gay. And not just because of, of the, the clergy sex abuse stuff, but that was one of the few jobs that a gay man could have in American society that was respectable. And of course, they didn't come out of the closet. So most of us, you know, in, in my generation, we're not allowed to be taught this stuff. We weren't taught by our parents, and we certainly weren't taught about the school. So today, you have, you've got don't say gay laws in, in, in Florida. So you can't even talk about it. You can't talk about the role that racism still plays in American society. The fact that black people are locked up in disproportionate numbers than white people. It's not because black people commit more crimes. There are far more white people in the United States than there are anybody else. And I know, the whole replacement theory is that, yeah, white people at some point will not be the majority. But you know what? They're going to be the largest group by far for many, many, many years. Black people represent 13% of the population. White people are still over 50%. Hispanic, which isn't even a race, it's an ethnicity, so it includes other, uh, other races, is, a, is, is like 15 or 16% of the U.S. population. But some of that includes white people. Native people, we're less than 1%. I think we're actually less than one-tenth of 1%. But, you know, of course... White people started claiming our identity, not only for mascots, but in the census. So now, oh, oh yeah, there's, there's all of a sudden there's 87% increase in native population. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. This is identity theft. You know, schools talk a good game. In fact, the, you know, the Commissioner of Education, the Department of Education, the Board of Regents, everybody, all, they all condemned this shooting in Buffalo. But what are you doing to advance your, your so-called diversity, equity, and inclusion policies in the, in the state? And what are you doing to push back on this? Because there are still pockets of people in the state that are under the authority of the Department of Education when it comes to school, including school board members, who are adamantly opposed to this idea, not that critical race theory is even taught in schools, but the idea that, that any white child should ever be taught anything that would make them feel guilty for being white. Well, you know what? There should be white guilt because part of what has created white privilege in this country has been the overt racism towards black and brown people. I mean, and that's just a fact. You know, so if we don't confront these issues, you're going to have, the, you know, a, a kid from Conklin, New York, who has nothing to, to offer any balance to whatever the, his racist background is from his family or, or the, the community he lives in. There's nothing to push back against it. 
And if the school isn't really developing a diversity, equity, inclusion program, and I don't mean just on paper, I mean an implementation of it. We need more than a statement condemning the acts of violence you know, like what took place in, in Buffalo last weekend. You, you haven't even outlawed the mockery and the identity theft of native mascots. Only five, five or six states have done that. And when, a, when, a, when a, the New York State Education Commissioner tells a specific school because the, the, of the way they, they, you know, they retired their mascot and brought it back immediately, it says, look, you did that in an arbitrary and capricious fashion. You gave no explanation on why you were going to reinstate your mascot after you gave a long explanation on why you were going to retire it. Some, you know, I don't know, what do you call a lawyer who, who chases after this kind, of, uh, this kind of work? I mean, you'd call it an ambulance chaser if, it was, if they were really chasing ambulance. But this law firm representing Cambridge Central School Board, I thought, no, I can bring that case. I've had, I've had success against, uh, with cases against the, the, the education department. No, you haven't. And, you know, and he, so they, they're suing in, in state Supreme Court. And we're expecting that, it, you know, we're expecting it to get dismissed. But in the meantime, in the meantime, you, you've got these rural towns across the United States, including in New York State, the blue liberal state that New York, New York is, that has strong foundations. Conklin, New York, that's a predominantly white little town. And something in that town even when this kid threatened the school a year ago. No red flag there. No red flag law, no red flag at all. You know, there's a lot of failures when it comes to stopping racial violence. But it isn't just racial violence. You have nothing that gets in the way of racist policies like taking money from, uh, from a historically marginalized people like the Senecas. Look, we're, we're about to engage in a battle, another battle, because one of the things that we did on our native territories is we, we took advantage of our regulatory advantage when it came to selling tobacco. And we had to fight every, you know, look, we've been fighting this thing for 50 years, for 50 freaking years, our right to sell Cigarettes on our territory without New York State stamps on it. And look, the state went after all of their wholesalers. So for the most part, we can't, we can't just order from a, a typical non-native company to bring us tobacco products. We can't do that anymore. They, they did away with that, I think, in 2010. It's been you know, over 12 years now. So what we've been doing is when many native uh, people backwards integrated into manufacturing. So we have native brands. Well, one of the main major manufacturers of native brands, uh, Grand River Enterprises, which has an operation on the Canadian side and the US side, is being pressured heavily by the federal agency, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, to become compliant with the state. Well, we don't deal with the state. There are native manufacturers supplying native retailers and native wholesalers. So there's a, there's, I mean, you, you've got the Biden administration 
Joe Biden with the Native Interior Secretary responsible for the trust resp relationship between Native people in the United States that are, that are going to try to shut down the Native supply of Native products to, uh, to, to Native retailers. These are the fights that keep going on, folks. Yeah, we do have, look, we push back. And when we push back, we have sometimes periods of success. But the United States, New York State, other states, they never stop. Why? It's racism. We don't have the United States recognizing our autonomy. Federal recognition, I call it Fed rec. It's... <laughs> Fed rec is defined as, as a, you know, or those tr tribes that are, that are federally recognized. And I got to be careful here because not, most of them never asked for it. The federal government says, oh, we recognize those tribes as tribes, nations, or, or, or tribes, bands, or nations of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States. Well, we never agreed to that. The Seneca's never agreed to that. But you just push over us. You pass laws granting yourself jurisdiction. The Indian Gaming Regulatory Act created federal and state authority over native gaming out of thin air. It didn't exist. We didn't give it to you. These are the racist laws that get passed. And then you have all of these other racist tools at your disposal, like Kathy Hochul saying, well, you know what? I'm going to use a state law that allows me to freeze the entire assets of the Seneca Nation until they pay me. And you know what? Nobody said anything about it. Only Native people called it what it was, a racist act. As, you know, as the, as the, the newspapers and the television. And, and look, and this story, this story in many ways made national, even international news, not because of what the, the governor did to the Seneca people, but because she was going to fund, take, after she took that money, she was going to use that money to fund building a, a new Buffalo Bills stadium the largest contribution, public contribution, uh, you know, taxpayer, well, supposedly taxpayer-funded contribution to a, to a sports franchise ever, ever. That made all the news. All the outrage from downstate. Look, downstate, they don't care about this. They, they, they watched the Giants and the Jets, you know, go play in, in New Jersey. They were going to build a multi-billion dollar stadium. So they condemned her for what she was doing with the funds and for the commitment she made to build a stadium, not for where she got the money. Nobody called her racist. Only we did. And frankly, I was among the few to do it initially, right out of the gate. But if we're not going to identify racism and address it and confront it, and I'll tell you, if we don't have black folks standing with us, and, and some white folks standing with us, we'll never stop any of this stuff. So black folks, look, if you're outraged because of this white boy showing up to, and shooting up your neighborhood, and you think it's great that Joe Biden and Kathy Hochul and, and Byron Brown all stood there, and look, I have more appreciation for the people who actually went there, you know, without the fanfare, laid flowers down and, and, and offered their condolences. And look, if Biden hadn't come to town, people, the, the right would have, con the left and the right would both would have condemned him. And look, it becomes a political thing. 
But when I hear Joe Biden say, well, let's remember we're all children of God. Wait a minute. Your God? The one that was responsible for the, you know, the, that you hung the doctrine of Christian discovery on? Don't tell me that we're all children of your God. Because your God sat silent while you tortured our children for 150 years in, in church-run, federally funded residential schools. I don't know if we were children of God that day. <laughs> that gives a whole other, um, a whole other meaning to under God, because those children were under some of the most atrocious conditions, run by churches, funded by the federal government. So, look, black folks, don't fall for it. Joe Biden failed in his promise to you when he said he was going to bring police reform forward. He lied. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't even be more critical of the, of the you know, of, of the right. Because make no mistake about it, everything associated with Donald Trump, make America great, and all of this, you know, this rhetoric about critical race theory, and, and, and people don't even realize that critical race theory and cancel culture, they actually... Those two concepts oppose each other because you want to cancel the whole idea of telling the truth about history. But make no mistake about it. The Republicans are overtly racist. But the Democrats are too. And if you're a person of color, if you think supporting one party over the other solves the problem, Look, you better, we all better start standing together if we really want to, you know, affect change on racist policies and racist behavior. And, you know, the, cra the, the crazy part about it, and this is my, why I, I condemn just a statement coming out of the Department of Education or, or whatever, is that this can be confronted in one generation if we just teach the truth in school. If we just teach the truth to, to children about the, the legacy of racism in the United States. And no, it didn't stop when slavery ended. Most people can't even tell you when slavery ended. Why? Because in many ways it hasn't. There's such economic disparity in the United States that, that there are still people who work for slave wages, by comparison, look, Thomas Jefferson was a master, <laughs> no pun intended, when it came to, to slavery. He knew how little he could feed his slaves. He actually figured it out. He, he, he did calculations. He knew what the minimum was that he had to give to his slaves for them to be productive. He also knew how to create hierarchy in slaves. Obviously, he had, he had the house slaves he, he, that didn't really have a choice. I mean, the fact that he had children with, with one of his slaves, or at least one of his slaves, it's not like she had a choice in the matter. She was owned by him. But they had it all figured out. See, Native people, there was never a desire to keep us alive. I mean, when Thomas Jefferson, who was one of the guys who was... Who, actually began this process of forced assimilation. 
He just thought it was cheaper. It was a cheaper way of dealing with it. And it probably had less political reverberations. We've got to confront racism where it exists, and it exists everywhere in American society. Church, school, corporate America, municipal government, state government, and federal government. A white supremacist isn't just carrying a gun. Many of them have power just with a pen. I want to thank you for listening. I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio.